0: Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face to face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership, and we return to focus on our series of podcasts. I'm joined by Andy Bridge, a current deputy headteacher, and Debbie Davis, headteacher of an independent special school and experienced SENCO. In March 2022, the government published its SEND Green Paper, outlining changes it proposes to make to the future of SEND support. This podcast explores the challenges that the Green Paper identifies, its recommendations for change, and allows us an opportunity to reflect on how to support for students with SEND, which may change in the coming years. So, Debbie, Andy, great to have you both here today.
1: Hi, Georgie. Nice to be back.
0: Hello. Great to be back. Excellent.
1: Where has this gone?
0: So, when we refer to the Send Green Paper, we're talking about the government's perceived need for change, its recommendations, and how this is going to impact on the future provision for Send students. Debbie, Debbie, perhaps you can take us through the government's case for change, please.
2: Of, of course. And and it's really important to be discussing such matters, um, important matters within schools at the moment. So there are three key challenges to take into consideration. Firstly, outcomes for children and young people with SEND or in alternative provision are poor. Secondly, navigating the SEND system and the alternative provision is not a positive experience for children, young people, or their families. And thirdly, despite investment, the system is not delivering value for money for children, young people and families. In essence, the Green Paper proposes that a vicious cycle of late intervention, low confidence and inefficient resource allocation is driving these challenges.
0: Yes, Debbie, that does make sense, really. And I'm sure there will be many colleagues listening to this who would echo this rationale. And now that the case for change has been shared through the Green Paper, what does the government recommend moving forward? It seems there's a lot to do here. Um, so what is the government suggesting, Andy?
1: So uh, I totally agree. There's like a lot to cover. And this is a big, lengthy document that probably needs I'm picking in a lot of detail. So if I just pick out a couple of strands um, of change to focus on. One is their recommendation that we create a single national SEND and AP system. So... At the moment, um, and Debbie works in the sector, she'll probably know a lot more than me, but the the SEND and AP sector is really quite disjointed. There's some um, free schools, some academy trusts have got their own SEND or AP schools, some are independent, some are regulated by Ofsted, some are unregulated provisions and it's a, a real minefield. And the way that each local authority operates, the SEND and AP schools in their area, it varies massively. So we get all kinds of inconsistencies if pupils live near to a border of different counties, the way that each local authority operates is so different. So I think that is a, an incredibly helpful recommendation that they want this national system of sending AP schools and, and, a, and a new series of national standards for those schools and provisions to meet, um, I think is a really important recommendation. And then the second bit that I think is so so important for us to pick out is this recommendation that we move to digital EHCP, so education and healthcare plans, um, which replace the old kind of statement of SEND. At the moment, it's quite an archaic paper-based system. And as children and young people move through the system, they might move between schools or they finish primary school, move to secondary school, they move from secondary to a college or from a mainstream to a specialist setting. that transfer of information at the moment is messy, it's not slick, it's not consistent, the way that one school does its EHGPs will differ compared to another, so I, I really do like this idea of the one standardised digital EHGP that different provisions, different agencies that are supporting a child can all access on a standard template that's stored online, I think it's a great idea.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Centralised and and sort of allowing, you know, if if a student moves from area as well, is is so important, isn't it? That 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 goes with them and travels with them. Oh, yeah. So it's it would be a massive improvement if we can get this this sort of established. And I know that funding recommendations are being made too. Debbie, can you briefly share what you feel will help our listeners?
2: Great point, Georgie. You're absolutely right. In a nutshell, we're talking about the introduction of a new national framework of banding and price tariffs for high needs funding matched to levels of need and types of education provision set out in the new national SEND standards. The Green Paper states further consultations uh, on the direct NFF will consider options for calculating notional SEND budgets within schools. The DFE says that some thresholds uh, should be retained, but they will consider whether the £6,000 per pupil per year remains the right threshold beyond which schools can expect to draw down additional high needs funding. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and Andy's Debbie earlier, Andy referred to the the National SEND standards. Is is there a clear idea of what we are looking? We are to be looking at.
1: Yeah, you know, I think again, this is a strength of the proposals in that, you know, the current code of practice does refer to some uh, approaches that we should all be using. But actually, the way they've been interpreted in different schools is different, and the approach different providers take, we've lacked that consistency. So what we're proposing here is real clarity of national standards in terms of how SEN needs are identified, how they're assessed what provision should be made available to pupils and children, young people that are identified as having different needs. um, How we access that support, how we review the impact it's having, how do we communicate that with the children, with the parents, with the carers, with any other agencies. And then again, looking at those transitions, we know that for all pupils transitioning from primary school to secondary school, secondary to sixth form college or mainstream to uh, another setting can be challenging, but For students with SEND, even more so. So I think, you know, some national guidance on what those transitions should look like for students um, with additional needs is really welcome.
0: I think we would all want to know more about the provision that will be made available for different types of need. So, Debbie, do you have any
2: insights on those? there are There are several examples in in the green paper, Georgie. The ones that resident, that resonated most with me are in respect of the excellent provision from e y to adulthood. the The government proposes to increase total investment in school budgets by seven billion by twenty, twenty four to twenty five compared to twenty one to twenty two, including um, an additional one billion in 2022 to 23 for complex needs. Okay. I love the fact that there will be consultation on the introduction of the new SENCO NPQ and increase the number of staff with the accredited, accredited level three SENCO qualification in early years. Um, also an investment of 2.6 billion over the next three years, to deliver new places and improve existing provision for pupils with SEND or who require alternative provision. So by 2030, all schools, including special and AP, should be in a strong trust or plan to join or form one. I I think that is most interesting. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, that's a massive amount of investment there, isn't it? And surely by 2030, you know, having that kind of real shift in, in sort of structures and investment has to be a positive for everybody. So uh, lots of things to think about there, Debbie. Thank you for sharing some of those those figures. Andy, what about alternative provision? What, what do our listeners need to know here?
1: Yeah, do you know, Debbie's really focused there on the SEN side, but there is quite a lot of uh, coverage in the Green Paper on alternative provision as well. And For me, there's a lot of um, mixed quality provision out there at the moment for alternative provision. There's some phenomenal settings that achieve truly fantastic things for some very vulnerable students. And then there's other settings where we're sending some very vulnerable young people to settings that actually don't meet standards that we should be proud of. So I think what the um, Green Paper recommends is that all of that alternative provision system gets absorbed into the local send offer and I think that will just give us much greater oversight and accountability for the quality and the standards of what's happening in some of these alternative provisions which is excellent. The other main recommendation um, from the Green Paper in terms of AP is giving those settings much greater stability with the budget so currently, um, it's based on funding per number of pupils so uh, an AP's budget might increase or decrease by hundreds of thousands of pounds each year depending on the number of pupils that they had last year and that makes it really difficult for them to plan their staffing and resources and invest in their environments it's hard to predict from year to year how much money they'll have in the budget whereas giving them greater stability over that budget will be really useful Mm -hmm. and then finally I think just to draw out at the moment um alternative provision schools are assessed by Ofsted on the same framework as mainstream schools. Okay. What, what this recommends is that actually there's this new national framework um, for alternative provision in, addif- in addition to Ofsted that really focuses on five key areas. So how effective is their outreach support, supporting mainstream schools before students need to access AP? Do they help these vulnerable young people improve their attendance? Do they help reintegrate them into a mainstream school after a period in the alternative provision? What's the academic attainment like? Do they support students to gain qualifications in English and maths? And then finally, do they support students into an appropriate college, workplace, uh, apprenticeship, some kind of provision after the end of year 11? So I think that's a really positive move.
0: Yeah, they are massive absolutely massive that new framework just seems to be really specific they're not being measured on same standards as as sort of traditional school environments because it, it's not the same it's, it's like apples and pears isn't it comparing Definitely. so is it true also that the government are launching a call for evidence on the use of unregistered provision to investigate existing practice as well
1: yeah, yeah. i think that's got to be a good thing as we said these are some of the most vulnerable students they shouldn't be in unregulated provision we need all of the provisions where we're sending these children to be regulated and monitored and scrutinized to make sure that they're safeguarding their education provision the personal development that they're offering the students is top quality
0: yeah so every school is brought to account then that's what they're recommending so what is being recommended in respect of systems roles and responsibilities debbie
2: um, so we we all need to know the answer to this question, and it's a really powerful question, Georgie. Um, I, I can offer my 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 insight here and and share that it's recommended to deliver um, clarity in roles and responsibilities, healthcare, and local government. I can I I also know that. There will be updates in respect to compare schools and college performance also known as performance tables of course uh, to some parents and young people and wider stakeholders to consider contextual information about a school or college alongside their results data which is going to be really important.
0: Andy. Yeah. So, so you know, have you got any sort of more thoughts on that that you think around the systems and roles that we we perhaps you could build on?
1: Yeah. Do you know what? For me, I think this is just such a positive thing that um, not everywhere, but in some schools and in some settings, there's maybe been a out of sight, out of mind approach of, you know, this student's got these needs that are going to be difficult for us to accommodate. Let's fact get them in an alternative provision and we don't need to worry about them anymore. But actually. This to me highlights how accountable we are for these students and as we've said they're vulnerable for many reasons and the accountability sits with the schools and the APs collaboratively to get the very best possible provision and outcomes for these young people and it it kind of makes the SEND students that are accessing this provision front and centre of our attention which I I think is a really positive positive change.
2: And 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 welcomed change. Yeah
1: definitely.
2: Definitely,
0: definitely. It's, it's been quite a long while coming, I think. So we've had so many recommendations actually in this podcast. It's It's been slightly longer, but I think there's been so many bits that we needed to unpack here. So thank you for sharing both of you from your perspectives. This insight is most helpful and I hope that all our listeners will now feel much more abreast of some of the key points around the Green Paper um, shared today. You should all now be aware of the case for change and some key recommendations and our podcast hopefully allows an opportunity to reflect on, on how support for students with SEND may change in the coming years. Um, and I'd encourage everybody to go back and, and read the, some, the summary of the Green Paper, which is much more comprehensive and has so much more information and detail in it. it's well worth a read. Um, so this has been a bit of a, a special podcast that we've done, focusing on the green paper for SEND, but also linked to our teaching assistants sort of episodes as well. Um, so, you know, teaching assistants offer a lot of support for our SEND provision. So it, it felt that I naturally fitted here. Um, this has actually been the last podcast in this series for teaching assistants. Um and what we're looking to do is, we're going to start a new series coming up, which is actually going to focus much more and link in with the, the SEND provision. Um, we're going to touch on more aspects of the green paper. We're actually going to focus specifically on, on TAs, teachers, and SENCO support. And think about strategies around specific support for students and SENCO needs. And some of these needs will include sort of different topics and conversations and challenges that our students may have, including dyscalculia, dyslexia, visual impairment, ADD, ADHD um, and all sort of other areas as well. So that we hopefully be able to sort of target and focus in on some key strategies in each of those sort of areas. These could be useful for any sort of teaching assistants or TAs looking to actually um, pick up some sort of thoughts around this. Um, And also early career teachers, if you're getting started and you've got SEND support students in your class, what kind of things that you can think about doing as well. So we're looking forward to starting those conversations. Um, And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to these episodes and this series. We've thoroughly enjoyed doing it. And thank you to our guest 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 speakers who give up our time andy bridge and debbie davis are both hard in educational environments day to day so they fit in time to actually have these chats with me um around their day jobs so thank you both so much for being here
1: always thank great. you
0: that's all right and um i'm looking forward to having these conversations please please invite other people to listen to them as well hopefully you find that you can take away a few little tidbits um, and you can pick these up, our After the Bell podcasts are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. I'd invite you to listen to these on your daily commute, on your treadmill, or as your focus of the day. You've been listening to After the Bell. Thank you so much for joining us. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.